Blog Talk Radio. This is the Back Porch Writer Podcast, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. It's live, fun, and informative. Each week, I chat with writers, editors, and industry pros to give you and me a heads up about this whole new awesome publishing world. Backport Writer is about creating the life that you want through writing and publishing. Are you ready to tap submit? Let's explore the possibilities together. Welcome to Backport Writer. Welcome to Backport Writer, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. I'm your host, Corey Miller, and today is February 21st, 2017, and this is another episode of Living the Indie Author Life, Take Four. And my guest today is Timothy. Bateson. But before I have him come on and tell us all about him, his writing, his marketing, all that really fun stuff, before I do that, um, I need to apologize because last week I couldn't do any shows. Um, I was sick. I'm still sick, but I'm much better than I was. Um, but I, I got sick last week and I usually do not get ill. And if I do, it lasts maybe a day. <laughs> and so this was a really unusual experience for me to just be knocked down for days and days and days on end and not be able to do anything. So that, that was kind of crazy, but that's what happened last week. So this week, I'm actually going to be interviewing four people. So starting tonight with Timothy and then the next several days, I've got a few other people coming on to the program. So a, a little bit unusual schedule, but hey, that's all right. We'll just roll with it. It's all good. It's fun. You'll enjoy it. It doesn't matter. But this is all living the indie author life. Take four, five, six, seven, you know, that's the number. Um, and it's all affiliated with in association with the Brain to Books Cyber Convention that's happening the first weekend in April. So if you are unfamiliar with that, you need to head over to Goodreads and search for Brain to Books. You can also just Google that and you'll find the website. It's a great author event, lots of fun, fabulous things happening. Um, there's long chats with lots of different authors. There's um, panel discussions with lots of different authors, um, lots of books being given away for free, um, contests, there's cover cover wars, there's, it's just a whole host of <laughs> activities going on, and I participated last year for the first time, and it was a lot of fun, I have to say, I did a takeover event, um, I think one or two takeover events, actually, over on Facebook, and that was uh, just totally Hilarious and enjoyable. That's what I have to say about that. I learned a lot in both of those experiences in how to prepare for those sort of events. Um, I did the cover wars. I did not win, but that's okay. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'll, I'm, I'm fine. I'm not hurt or anything. Um, but anyway, so lots of fun stuff. So check out Brain to Books. Um, Google it or go over to Goodreads and find the information over there. There's also a Facebook group, but I'm not on Facebook a whole lot anymore. I just found that that wasn't good for my sense of well-being, so I just avoid Facebook as much as humanly possible, um, and lots of us other social media, actually, <laughs> but at any rate, bring a book, check it out, you'll be glad you did. So tonight, I've got, as I said, Timothy coming onto the program and telling us all about what he's up to and the writing that he does. So Timothy, welcome to Back Porch Writer. Thank you very much. I'm grateful to be here. Well, I'm glad we could get this arranged and figured out. Again, I'm so sorry that I couldn't get you here last week, um, but I'm glad we could arrange it for this week. And hopefully I won't cough a whole lot and mess this up for you. <laughs> <laughs> I may take a few breaks and drink uh, some water. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. So tell everybody about you and your writing. Uh, yeah, I've 
been writing now probably for about the last seven, eight years uh, in a serious form. Um, my wife and I are actually a, a writing team uh, behind the Shadows Over Seattle series and the prequels, um, which we we kind of co-developed together. But I do a lot I do a lot more of the writing than she does. Um, so when I released Under Hunter's Moon last year, uh, it was an interesting experience going out and doing it for the first time, um, having been previously published by uh, under anthology collections. It was uh, definitely an interesting experience switching from a publisher to doing all the work myself. Um, but Under a Hunter's Moon is the first in the prequel series, and they're all set in the city of Seattle or the, the surrounding area. So um, I was actually very lucky to have a chance to go down and see the city itself last week and really enjoyed my trip down. Um, Why really Seattle? Wait, wait, wait. Why Seattle? Well, my wife actually used to live down in Seattle, so when she started writing, she's the one who actually got this all off the ground with her first attempt at a novel, uh, A Rose by Any Other Name, which will actually be appearing as part of the series. Um, she was writing in Seattle, about Seattle, with characters who were coming in from it from outside. So mm-hmm. it kind of spiraled from there into me writing about the city, even though I'd never left the airport. <laughs> <laughs> But I was drawing on her experience, Google Maps, and a lot of other resources right. online. So it certainly became interesting actually getting on the ground and putting my feet in the dirt, as it were, and finding out that, oh, I'm going to have to rewrite this first scene because it actually takes place on roads that are going very downhill. <laughs> uh, when looking on Google Maps, you don't see that gradient. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Uh, it makes things very interesting uh, when you actually see things for the first time. Uh, you get a whole different perspective on things. It's kind of like going in, um, going into writing and realizing that actually this is something you really want to do. And suddenly it starts to take over your life. <laughs> <laughs> I was just writing as about... As you've probably seen from my online activities. Well, this this whole research side of being a writer, I was just writing about that for uh, mm-hmm. one of my graduate classes. And I was explaining to my professor that I'm a research geek. I like doing research and I always have. It has nothing to do with being a writer. I just like doing research. And I was describing it as it relates to being a writer. And it and it's so funny because you, you do either need to be living there or have a really good contact that you can get that mm-hmm. information from. So like this idea that you didn't have, you didn't know the gradient of the, the road. <laughs> That's, that's well, really funny. I mean, I'm a, I'm a city boy. I'm a city boy. I grew up in London, so I kind of had an idea of what city life was like. Right. But it was the terrain, and it was the terrain that really makes a difference. Yeah. Um, London's pretty much flat for the most part, with a few hills here and there. Not a big deal. Seattle. You want to drive around Seattle? Be prepared to have a car that likes hill starts. <laughs> right. And make sure it's an automatic transmission, because otherwise, you know, you might not be able to get over those hills. (laughs) Although I could. It depends on how good you are with a manual. (laughs) I'm great with a manual car. But I do remember not being great with a manual car (laughs) when I first started out. (laughs) So, all right. Now, my I do remember London being sort of flat now that you mention it. And it's been years Mm. since I was there. Really long time. But I do remember, no, there weren't much in the way of hills. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Okay. So um, it does make a big difference. You know, and that's what makes the writing so authentic, which is why I was talking about the research side, because if you don't bother to do some of that, you really lose credibility as a, a writer right. with the people who live yeah. there for sure. Definitely with the people who live there. And I think as a writer, we have as writers, we have the responsibility to accurately portray the areas we're covering. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not mm-hmm. like not like a fantasy world. If you're cover, if you're working with the real world, you have a certain responsibility to not only um, accurately portray the terrain, but um, the personality of the city as much as anything. Um, mm-hmm. It's very different writing about Seattle now as it would be to say write about Seattle in the 1950s. You've got right. a very different fear to the city and a very different landscape. Mm-hmm. So that re- that's where that research becomes so critical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I personally, I've mentioned, I love research. How do you feel about doing the research side of being a writer? I love it. I love it. I'm a geek. I, I am <laughs> one of those people. I, my search history is extensive. Um, I have on there right now, because I deal with supernatural crime and um, how the real world interacts with the supernatural in terms of plots and stuff, I've got a lot of research into things like what's the structure of the Seattle Police Department because I have a section mm-hmm. of the law enforcement that's technically attached to the Seattle Police but not, as it were. Mm-hmm. So I needed to mm-hmm. work out what the relationships between the two would be like. Um, I've got what's the effect of a t- things like what's the effect of this particular model taser on a body in mm-hmm. terms of when you get hit by it. Mm-hmm. Um Crazy things like how much blunt force trauma would be required to inflict certain types of injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I probably look like a crazy criminal. <laughs> <laughs> Not much more than I do. I write mystery thrillers. People die. <laughs> so you know exactly where I'm coming from in terms of what happens with your search history. <laughs> well, you know, I will say this. The strangest question Okay, I've had a lot of strange questions that I've asked people, but one of them was I needed to research sniper activity and snipers, like when a bullet hits a window at a certain angle, what happens to the window? And right. then the bullet comes, you know, I had to research that stuff and I got a hold of a, an expert in the field and had to convince mm-hmm. this person that I'm actually an author and not some crazy person. <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, my wife actually had a phone call when she was started writing Rose by Any Other Name with a priest down in Seattle and was trying to ask him what the church's position on vampires were. Without <laughs> what, is crazy. Is <laughs> what, what, is their, what is their position? Did they say? Uh, I actually don't have the definitive answer to that one at this point. Uh, one of those, depending on the denom- a lot of it depends on the denomination and the particular... Um, the particular structure of the, the individual church. It seems to be the mm. consensus we reached. Um, mm. I mean, they were not denouncing the possibility of vampires. Seriously? But the, the consideration came out from the... It came about basically because of the... Well, okay, it's a mental condition... If you believe you are a vampire, would you be would you believe would you be discounted from jo- uh, joining a church, kind uh-huh. of deal? Because uh-huh. <laughs> huh. um, yeah, it's one of those crazy things that us writers end up sometimes having to research. <laughs> okay, <laughs> For so reasons now, that make perfect plot sense. <laughs> oh, it makes total sense to us. 
you know, I mean, it's just, I had, I had one of my characters, well, I can't give this too much, but some of the things that I, I um, explore are things that happened in real life. And then I'm like, wow, okay, I need to go down that path a little bit more and, and ask a few more questions about that because I want my person to get away with it for a little while, <laughs> whatever right. happens, you know? So it's just the weirdest things, but okay. You mentioned taser and taser research. Um, yes. Was that in a relationship? Cause you have uh lichens in your storyline. Is that the main character? Yeah. My main character, Richard is a, is a, what we call them lupines. A lot of people lupines. have compared them to the lichens because um, one of my, um, one of the Amazon reviews actually likened, um, under a hunter's moon to the underworld series, mm-hmm. which I was very pleased to hear. Um, it well, wasn't, it wasn't so I, I was aiming for, but it was, it's got that slightly darker feel to it. Uh-huh. Um, and the the reason I wanted I was looking at tasers was I wanted to see because my shapeshifters are human first and monster, uh, animal second. I don't have the hybrid forms like you see in Underworld or American mm-hmm. Werewolf in London or all the other films. Mm-hmm. It's basically an animal shifter. So Richard is a lupine, which is a wolf shifter, and that's their preferred mm-hmm. term for themselves. Um, basically, each of the species of shifters will either use the generic terms or they'll have one they prefer to use to <coughs> differentiate between the mon- themselves and the perceived monsters. So, and okay, I think... werewolves have had a bad rap over the years. Right, so you say lupine, lupine? Lupine. Right. Lupine. I said lichen. Lichen is what's used, I think, in Underworld. Correct. Right. Um, what What's the difference? Like I was, uh, like I always look at it. Basically, the they have two forms. In Underworld, you have the human form and the werewolf form, the typical nine foot raging snarling beast. They don't right. have an animal form. They don't okay. shift down to wolf form at all. Whereas in the uh, um, Shadows Over Seattle series, we actually have them shifting between human and wolf with no intermediate stages. So they basically mm-hmm. turn from human to animal. Okay, okay. So, not so like... that's one of the reasons I wanted that. Di- we wanted that differentiation. Ah. See, I love this stuff. I, I love the Wonder World series and, you know, vampires. I can talk about that forever. Uh, and yeah, we deal with, we deal with vampires as well, and we've got whole mythologies behind the vampires, the mages, the uh, fae. I mean, we've literally got an entire genea- We've got an entire genealogy of the races written up. They're not sparkly trying to work vampires, out where everything was related. Pardon? No sparkly vampires, right? No sparkly vampires. Real vampires do not sparkle, <laughs> and that is what that is the title of one of the. Um, subjects we're looking to explore at the fantasy event for the uh, brain to books <laughs> like where the i you know i just I, i've gone off on this before i can't even help it the whole that whole series it just drove me nuts because i couldn't finish the books i didn't like the books but i tried I, to watch I finished the, the books I, I watched the films um i enjoyed them for what they were but <laughs> i would not have used the term vampire they lost me at sparkly <laughs> I think it's a lie. I was like, because I love vampire lore. I really do, and I'm open to all kinds of stuff when it comes to vampire lore. I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It was my favorite, all-time favorite TV series, and I don't watch TV I now. It. I was 
one of my favorite things. Yeah. But yeah, the sparkly thing, I'm like, no, no, that's just wrong. Sparkly vampires is definitely a big no-no. Um, we do have vampires who can go out in the daylight. See, I can work um, with but, that, though. But our vampires, don't, our vampires don't require blood, necessarily. Ah. So, unlike the stereotypical monster vampire, these vampires have off other optional feeding sources. Mm-hmm. So, Which we've got some vampires who are ones. elemental, we've got some who are tantrics, uh, we've got some who are... Um, we got, like, five or six different breeds of vampire but they all require blood to heal. Mm-hmm. That's the only requirement for blood. Isn't but there's that a whole funny, history of where that came from. Isn't that funny, though, that we, we can sit here and we can talk about vampires like they're actually you know, real and have a very clear opinion about how sparkly vampires just cannot exist. <laughs> yes. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make yes, sense. I'm sorry. We should, stuff, not be able to take a, we should not be able to take a vampire outside and use him as a disco ball. <laughs> all the other stuff. Makes total sense, right? But that's exactly. thing. I'm drawing the line there. <laughs> it just cracks me up. But I mean, it's so, true. Yeah. There are people who just, you know, I, I guess I have that line in the sand. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's one of the nice things about it. I mean, it's a subject I'm actually hoping to explore during the Brain to Books event. Um, during the CyberCon, I'm actually running the fancy genre uh, events. And okay. one of the panels I want to try and put together is a real vampires don't sparkle. <laughs> and look at the history of the vampires and where, why we ended up with, uh, how we ended up with sparkly vampires. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, in my first year of doing the show, I interviewed a man named Gerald Schnitzer, and he is an old, old school Hollywood producer. And he's written books mm-hmm. and countless stuff. He worked with uh, Bella Lugosi. And so, oh, now there's, a, there's right? an honor. <laughs> right? And so I was, when I first realized I was going to interview this man, I was floored. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What do I do? What do I do? <laughs> mm-hmm. He was the coolest man and on the planet. And don't tell me the first actually. question was, what do you think about Twilight? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I even brought it up. <laughs> but I think <laughs> had I brought it up, that would have been so disrespectful because he's been, he's done so many things. <laughs> and I'm going to bring well, that. <laughs> And you've got to remember, people like Bella Lugosi set them set the standard for so many of our stereotypes. Mhm. Mhm. So. So great yeah, I mean, great having stuff. having gone through that and done the directing for those those kind of events and th- that kind of <laughs> level. Yeah, I, I can see I can see why. You've... I'm not going to bring up sparkly vampires. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've got to move on. I can sit here and. Yes. and riff on that forever i swear <laughs> yeah but, okay so, so all time since you're you're into the the wolf thing that i what's your all-time favorite wolf related movie then um i'm gonna go out on a limb on this one i'm gonna say dog soldiers in terms of werewolf films it's a small budget uh, werewolf film set in the highlands of Scotland and it's a special forces team who basically get trapped out in the wild um, and discover that there actually is a werewolf out there and Mm. it's basically what happens to them it's a really interesting plot line, it's well written Um, it considers the humanised side of the the monster and character um, which is one of the reasons I, I like to take that approach myself 
um, werewolves, at the end of the day, are humans first. They're not, you know, they're not monsters in, initially. So their right. personalities are pretty much already set when they get bitten. Um, in my case, they don't, they, they're actually a breeding species. Mm-hmm. Lupines can breed true. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, you've got two worlds you're living in. And these soldiers have basically been thrown, uh, uh, civilized people who've basically been thrown into a madhouse environment. It's cra- It's just crazy wilderness with, um, they're up against the odds. And it's called Dark and Soldiers? Twist, uh, uh, it, uh, dog Soldiers, yeah. Dog Soldiers. It's probably, it's probably about 15, 20 years old. Um, that's probably about when I remember seeing it last. And mm-hmm. it's, it's really interesting to watch because you get to see a whole different side. of. It's not just the old typical horror movie like The Howling or American Werewolf, which I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I consider American Werewolf to be pretty much a comedy. It is. Mostly for the effects. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I love that movie. I, I love it too, don't get me wrong. Um, but it's, I also like the Howling films. I liked um, Jack Nicholson's Wolf. That oh, was an yeah, interesting was take good. on things. Yeah, that was good. Um, but then again, I pretty much one. always liked anything by Jack Nicholson. So, I still can't you know, watch it's The Shining. It's one of those things I had to watch it. Yeah, I still can't watch The Shining. Still creeps me out. Um, but now you bring up Wolf, and I haven't watched that in a long time. That was a great flick. Mm-hmm. Wow. But you're but you're right. American Werewolf in London. I that just makes me laugh. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, it, it, I always I always sit back and I I keep hearing the soundtrack to uh, the soundtrack pieces, and I always keep <laughs> it keeps running through my head. Werewolves of London. <laughs> That's one track. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to it every Halloween. <laughs> Why would it have to just be Halloween? It's on my it's on my playlist. <laughs> it just comes up. I mean, I you know. All right, so I got. The... No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it wasn't. It wasn't anything. I, I just don't know where the thought was going. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've got the your your favorite all time wolf flick. What's your your favorite yeah. all time since you got vampires? And what's your favorite uh, all time vampire one? Oh, now that one is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm actually going to go out on a limb on this one and say the original Blade film. Mm. The, origin, the original Blade, uh, mostly because I'm a Marvel comic geek, and mm. did like I didn't like the way it finished out, but I did like the fact that they kept to a lot of the mythologies that had already been established in vampire lore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With the old, with the old family lines and everything, um, you actually had a full structure in there, like you did. Uh, it came out before Underworld, so mm-hmm. in, a, in a lot of respects, I consider Underworld to have become a cl- to be almost a clone of it in some respects, mm. because you've got the two, you've got the two societies, which are basically old family societies. Um, mm-hmm. Then you've got, and then you've got the Vampire Hunter, which in one case is a half vampire. And in the other is actually a vampire, but she's also hunting. She's hunting down the rogue vampires as well as the lycans. Mhm, mhm. Yeah. So I like I liked Blade too, the the first one. I enjoyed yeah. it, but I I really I'm liked... so sorry they did. I'm so sorry they did the Dracula one. Yeah, I don't know. I think that was Blade, I think that was Blade Three. I don't think I watched Blade Three. 
I think I the first one, and I think I watched the second one, and that was it. Yeah, I've got the complete set. I've that. even got House of Cthon. So yeah, I, yeah. I, well, I can honestly say of, that they went off the rails a little. What did you think of um, Interview with the Vampire? Very much like the books. Unfortunately, um, I didn't enjoy the books too much. I read them because they were kind of required reading for the groups I was hanging around with. Um, to me, they were too moody. But then considering what Anne Rice was going through at the time she wrote the first, in, the first couple of books, there really wasn't going to be a light side to them at all. Um, I, think no, she was just getting over her, I think she was getting over the loss of her son or, fa- or some other family member and was pretty much depressed at the time, which is where mm-hmm. a lot of that darker side of interview with a vampire came from. And then mm-hmm. she carried it through into the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. I, think I, got, um, I think I got through reading as far as Queen of the Damned and gave up. Yeah, I thought um, it Queen of the Damned. But in terms of the films, um, Interview with a Vampire and Vampire Lost Stack pretty much got folded together in terms of plots. And then Queen of the Damned was just... I don't know what kind of travesty that was supposed to be. <laughs> that that was just one of the weird. That was just a weird film. It really was. <laughs> um, my my primary complaint with the Interview with the Vampire was that I couldn't. I don't like when a, a movie. Sometimes when a, a book becomes a movie, I get really disappointed because they pick people for char- for the characters, and I would not have chosen those people for that. So like I, I didn't that, I like. I think that might have been a big part of it. I didn't like Tom Cruise in that role at all, and so <laughs> that annoyed yeah, me. Yeah, it a wasn't lot. him. No, it really wasn't. No, he's an he's an action film <clears throat> star. Yeah. He's not he's not a mo- he's not a moody teenager. No, he's not that character. So. All right, Timothy, tell us what um, – we know you're, you're doing the Brains book stuff. Do you have any specials or anything going on for your book? Uh, yeah, um, I've got actually quite a bit of stuff going on this year because I'm actually heading up the fantasy genre. So I'm concentrating more on the other authors than on myself. Um, what I've got, we've got a lot of things going on. We've got, um, we're going to be hopefully hosting a couple of discussion panels, again, one of them being Real Vampires Don't Sparkle. Uh, we're looking at um, a world – we're looking at possibly doing a couple of cross-genre ones with um, World Building 101, uh, Creature, uh, Creature 10, Creatures 101, uh, Werewolves, uh, Monsters versus Shapeshifters, which is probably one I'm going to host myself because it's very close to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing a First Lines scavenger hunt where basically we're going to give you a series of first lines from people's books or stories, and you're going to be, uh, readers will be asked to match them to the books. Mm-hmm. And the idea basically being that they can go and have a look. If they're not sure of the answer or haven't read the book, they can go over to Amazon, have a look at the book on the look-in feature, and actually discover for themselves um, what those those opening lines are. And I'm hoping we'll help them discover some really good books along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so those those are the really big events. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more going on. I'm not going to be yeah. pushing my stuff so much this time around because I haven't got anything new coming up. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure Under a Hunter's Moon is going to get mentioned. Um, I'm sure at some point I'll probably be directing people over to my website and my blog. Um, I'll and probably be running wait. a lot of stuff over there. What's your website? Before we have to go, what's your website? Uh, the website address is timothybatesonauthor.wordpress.com. And over on my blog, I'm at 
I'm at timothybatesonauthor.weebly.com. Uh, sorry, weebly.com for the website, wordpress.com for the um, blog. And Ramblings and an Author is actually going to be covering a lot of the build-up to the events for Brain to Books, because um, I do a lot of author spotlights, um, book spotlights and stuff over there, as well as the okay, cool. occasional ramblings of a, of a British author who's now a U.S. citizen. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats, by the way. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, that was a big move last week. Uh, last week was Seattle and citizenship. Yeah. So it was a crazy week. I'm sure it was. And you have to know a lot more than we do when you take that test. So, Timothy, uh-huh. thank you so much for being with me on Back Porch Rider. I really appreciate, again, your patience and working with me to reschedule this. I appreciate you working around my work schedule. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I'm a willow. I've been. <laughs> you have a great evening. You too. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. All right. Go check him out over on Amazon.com. Timothy Basin, he could use a little love, review love, go check him out, see his book. You know, I if you like that sort of lore, you really need to check it out. Now I'm totally intrigued because as you can tell from this conversation, if you hadn't already figured it out from previous conversations, I like this sort of stuff. So anyway, thank you for joining me here on Back Porch Writer, the show for writers about writers and writing. Again, I'm your host, Corey Miller. Until next time, pull up a chair, sit a spell, and write. Thanks for listening to Back Porch Writer. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe via iTunes so people just like you can find the show. If you've got comments, questions, or want to be a guest, visit BackWorksWriter.com for details. I'm your host, Corey Miller. Until next time, pull the chair, sit a spell, and write. <laughs>